You want to know why you're all fucked up? What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. Thank you for downloading this episode. Very exciting. Lots to discuss this week. But first, huge announcement. Uh, I am taping my special June 24th. That is June 24th, 2017 in Seattle, Washington uh, at a place called The Showbox Theater. If you would like to get tickets to see my taping of my one hour comedy special, there are two shows, 7 and 9.30. You can get your tickets at thousandranch.com or that's deepbropodcast.com. You uh, you put in like you're on a list is what they do. They put you on a list and then they'll contact you. And as far as I know, it works. So uh, that would be very exciting. I would love to pack the audience full of people uh, who know what they're getting into. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Fans, if you will. People that uh, they get it. They get it. I just, I don't want blank stares when I'm telling horrifying jokes about, you know, Dick Clark or whatever, Kathy Bates. Okay. There's that. Also, we are doing your mom's house live at the Irvine Improv July 9th. And then uh, your mom's house live in West Palm Beach, August 23rd. Tickets a thousand ranch and that's the bro podcast.com. And then I have two two more dates before I shoot. Three more dates, actually. June 1st through 3rd, Denver Comedy Works. That is, that's coming up. That's next week. Holy moly. Uh, Denver Comedy Works, June 16th and 17th, San Francisco at the Punchline. And then June 22nd, last call. I'm running it one last time at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank here at the, in the YooHoo room, a very small room, very intimate. Uh, there's like, I swear, maybe 10 seats in that room. And it's probably my favorite because I just, I don't like big, crazy venues. Like I, my manager was like, where do you want to shoot this? Do you want to get like a theater the house is, I was like, no, I, that's terrible. That is my nightmare is performing stand-up for uh, to lots of people. I never, I've done it before, like uh, on other people's tours. Obviously, I don't want to sell thousands of tickets, but um, it's it's terrible. I mean, have you ever watched the special filmed at Madison Square Garden? It's fucking abysmal. It's like, how do you even entertain? <laughs> they have to put your face up on a jumbotron. Good Lord. And I just you may as well stay home. Why? You know what I mean? Why go to a comedy show if you can't even see the comic and feel their sweat on your face? Unless you can high five the comic and, and feel the grunge and the dirt and the scum and the filth and the smell of your neighbor's nachos. I like all that stuff. That's, that's what comedy is for me. So there's that. Um, also Amazon, please, if you're doing your shopping on Amazon, use my banner. That's the bro podcast.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Also, guys, if you didn't hear it, um, we had Joe Rogan on last week's episode of Your Mom's House. Check that one out. The fantastic, inspirational, uh, tremendous human being that is Joseph Rogan. I don't I don't know uh, who he hasn't inspired to be a better human. I mean, there's really not a lot of people, I think, that are just doing it right and uh, are decent people, and he's definitely one of them. So there you go. All right, let's get into this, guys. Lots to cover, a lot of thoughts. Okay, let's party. Oh, let's do the breeders. I love her so much. Those the breeders. Uh, thank you for watching. That's Deep Bro on YouTube. Uh, this is all, all on YouTube. You guys can see it there. And also, somebody wrote in asking if there was a music playlist for this show. And yes, there is. Uh, it's on Spotify if you search Your Mom's Podcast is the username. And I think the list is called TD, that's Deep Bro, TBD Ultimate Jams. Super lame, I know. Um, I'll try to find it again. For some reason, Spotify is thinking that I'm in a foreign country and it won't let me log in. It's like your membership has run out from America. I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, but I, I put the song, all the stuff together on a Spotify list. Again, um, TBD Ultimate Jams is the name of the list. And then it's under your mom's podcast. Your, your mom's podcast is the username. So there you go. Uh, good week. Good week so far. I can't really complain. My in-laws are visiting. So that's always just tiring, right? House guests. Although we having no house guest policy, actually, we make people stay in hotels. Like, no, I mean, really, when you think about it, when you have a baby, uh, it's not really a treat for anyone who has to wake up in the middle of the night or wake up at six in the morning with you and your child. So kind of do it for everybody's sake. What's wrong with space? What's wrong with boundaries? Nothing. 
nothing is wrong with boundaries, nothing. And uh, I started swimming again, which is very exciting. I love it because I can actually think and clear my brain. And uh, what I've noticed is that if you look, if you don't like to meditate, there are some days I'm like, go fuck yourself with meditation. I'm I'm not even going to do it. But I've realized that about 15 minutes into any physical activity, it's really hard to stay in whatever obsessive mind thing or whatever thing you're going through if you're if your body's moving, it's like the way my shrink puts it is that there's stuff in your body, like sense memory or whatever stuff, right. That you emotionally take on is in your body and it comes up. And I feel like, um, exercise is just a great way of like allowing that stuff to get out. Right. And meditation is a similar thing. It just kind of boop, 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 gets it all out of you. And I find it really hard to be fired up, um, after about 20 minutes of a good swim and being out in the fresh air and just looking at trees and, and looking at birds. And I mean, shit, I encourage every, I don't know why I don't do it more. It's one of those things where you're like, I just, oh man, why don't I like look at the sky more than I do? <laughs> why don't I uh, like birds and look at flowers and trees and things more than I do? Um, I know because most of us are locked inside doing jobs, right? That's how it goes. We're docile bodies. You are trained to sit behind a desk from the time you are in first grade, right? What is that? Six years old. And then, uh, and then you go, you grow up and then you sit behind a desk for the rest of your life under lights. It's fantastic. Uh, so try to, I try to break that shit up, you know? Um, cause I, I, it, I go sit in hotel rooms if I do leave the house. It's not like I'm really out there looking at nature and all that shit. But I had this great revelation today as I was swimming. Cause last night, you know, when you, you get like a little, a little blip happens with somebody. I had a little blip with somebody, but not major, just not a major thing. But, you know, it was dealt with. We talked about it. And then uh, I found myself obsessing about it all night long. You know, you know when you do that, where you get into a boop with somebody, and even though it's resolved, the problem, it's fine. Everything's fine. Not that major, right? Not a big deal. And then next thing you know, you're replaying the thing in your mind. You can't sleep. And then what am I going to do about this tomorrow? I've got to take action. I must take action. I must do this. I must do that. I feel guilty. I Good night. And I, I came to the realization as I was swimming today that when that happens, when I have a huge reaction, a huge irrational reaction that becomes an overnight obsession to something very small and sometimes huge reactions are warranted, right? When you get into like a big fight with somebody that's, you know, uh, possibly life changing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about small things that for some reason just go right to your bullshit, right? They, it just manages to scratch the wound of something. But at the time when it happens, you don't realize it. That's what I'm trying to say is that I was so fucking irrationally spun out over this thing that it took a swim for me to go, oh, oh, okay, this is it. This is it. I'm in it. I'm in something right now. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm having this big reaction to a small thing because that's, that's the wound. That's, that's a triggering thing. And I hate that word now because everybody's using it, but, um, it, it really means, and what that, what I've learned over the years, because a lot of people are like, well, how do I know I'm, I'm living in the past or living in the present, which is what I talked about last week, right? How do we know that we're, we've cleared up the past enough to be present and to deal with what's happening now? 
So you know that because you have a big reaction to a small event. And I mean, I've gotten to the point now where I'm fairly good enough at going, oh, okay, that's not now. What I'm reacting to, this is something, this is a deeper thing here. So um, so today as I was swimming, I was like, oh, that's not even about yesterday. <laughs> I, was about, I was about 20, 40 years ago, whatever, how many years ago uh, that was set up way back when. Uh, so yeah, that, I just wanted to share that one for you in case you're like, why am I freaking out over, um, I don't know, the husband forgot to bring home the pint of milk I asked for. Why am I so mad at him? It's usually not over the milk. It's usually not over the milk. (laughs) It's a much bigger context than that. Also, um, I saw this woman yesterday. We went to dinner at this really swank restaurant with my in-laws and uh, everybody looked nice. You know, you, you dressed up and by nice, I mean LA nice, which for me is like a pair of jeans and this exact black sweater. And, um, I, I was sitting there drinking my glass of wine, enjoying the evening, enjoying the conversation. And man, uh, you know when this happens, when uh, it's just like the, the heavens part and God drops a little comedic manna in your lap. He just goes, here you go. Here's a lunatic for you to peruse and enjoy, and all of you are going to have a great laugh at the expense of this other human that I've placed in front of you. And um, so this human, this particular human came walking. She was being seated at the table next to me, and I'm, and I'm watching her come in, and she's wearing like a sweater with, with a very unforgiving fabric. And when I say unforgiving, I'm talking like your Lycra's. I'm talking your poly blends. The kind that you don't wear on television because every little, uh, every sin can show through that kind of fabric. You know what I'm saying? That's why you wear spanks on spanks on spanks before you film anything, right? Like when I take my special, there's like five layers of shit under the dress that I'm going to wear. Anyway, so... You've got that going against you. But in general, there's also a modicum of, of decency one should have in public. I'm talking about uh, undergarments. You should be wearing underwear. Uh, if people can see that you're not, it's kind of annoying. Like, I don't know if I can see your cooch and your asshole. And also, bras. Very important. Very, very important. And this woman forgot maybe to put one on at this super nice restaurant. And she came walking down... <laughs> And wearing that lycra uh, sweater, and and it was like um, those sloppy hangers. And by the way, I'm not judging sloppers because Mama P has got a big old pair of hangy mush bags on her chest. I I am I am no one to I don't cast stones on this lady for having big hangers, but as somebody that has them, as somebody that tends to her mushy purple garden. I know that I got to get my ass down to Nordstrom every six months, let's say, and I have a lady measure me and I go into a stall with some cute little 24 year old who doesn't even know what it is to have big mushy slops yet. And I crack jokes with her. And I went in with my son last time. He's crawling around on the floor and I'm getting measured. And this cute little 24 year old girl is, you know, um, dragging and, and, and picking up the loose flesh that is my breasts and tucking them lovingly into a bra. But I go through the, uh, the humiliation. I go through the indecency of this to spare the rest of the world uh, the inhumanity of my hangers. 
Okay. I fucking do this for you so that you don't have to look at my sloppy, sloppy meat sacks when I walk around planet Earth. I do this for the rest of humanity so that you can see a pair of somewhat high-ish and tight-ish boobs, okay? Not mom tits. I try to maintain the, the semblance of boobs. Now, this woman did not do that, okay? She came in, and her hangers were as hangy as mine, if not worse, down to her navel, flat, 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 soggy pancakes, and not only that, they had picked up a rhythm of their own. And I think if you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about. You know how strippers can make their boobs go in circles with the tassels and the tassels kind of like do the timing so that the other one doesn't hit the other one and they circle around like a pinwheel. Well, this lady had her movements down so that her sloppers hit each other. Boom, boom, like circular, boom, boom. And she was, you know, overweight too. That doesn't really help, but whatever. You can't judge on that either. And she sits down and I, and I look at my husband. I go, did you see them? Did you see them? And he's like, of course I saw them. Everybody saw them. And of course my father-in-law uh, has to turn around and he can't get a good look. So he has to get up and pretend to go to the bathroom and come back and take a look. My mother-in-law gets up, goes to the bathroom. We all take looks. We all take looks. Okay. Now my point being that I don't judge the woman for having big hangers. But let me tell you, God doesn't make you perfect. God has very few people are made perfect. And the ones that are made perfect are making a living looking perfect. The Naomi Campbells of the world, the Christy Turlingtons or whoever, whatever supermodel, there's a reason uh, they're special. It's a special thing to be that attractive. Okay. Not everybody's attractive, but they are. That's why they make a living at it. But for those of us regular people, there's a level of fucking decency that goes into just maintaining your appearance. And I, I'm not a superficial uh, person. I've, this show is called That's Deep, Bro, because I, I like to focus on the inner world. But I got to say, as a fucking public service announcement to the human race, not just women, clean yourself up. For the love of God, put a fucking bra on when you leave your house just do it. Just do it for, for, uh, uh, for the rest of us. If not you, just so that the other people looking at you aren't so distracted by your tits. You know, and I, and I know being a mom is exhausting and it's hard and it's not, you know, you don't always look fantastic, but man, I'll tell you, it's so funny. Right before I had Ellis, I, um, I posted a picture on Instagram, like, Oh, here, here's the mom cut that I'm going to get once my son is born. It was like the Kate Gosling cut. I was joking. Like I, you got to cut your hair off when you have a kid. Now, some women do like to do that because it's easier. And I totally understand that. But for me, I, to me, it was a, a symbol of, of, of uh, throwing in the towel, you know, like for me personally, I was like, I can't do that to my husband. Uh, and I remember a lot of angry women on that one, a lot of angry. Well, well, you see what it's like to have a newborn. You tell me if you're going to have time to do your hair, blah, blah, blah. How dare you post that? <clears throat> and here's what happened. The truth was I didn't have time to do my hair for the first three months of my son's life. I was lucky if I got a shower in and then I would uh, wrap my hair up in a bun. But you know what I fucking did? I put makeup on my face. That's right. Not a lot. I'm not talking like full thing. I put some concealer on, cover up those eye bags. I put a little bit of mascara on and I shaped my eyebrow. I'm telling you just, just a, and, and a little bit of uh, rouge. Is that what they call it? My mother called it that on your cheeks. Just so that the people around me didn't have to look at the shell 
of a woman that I was at the time. I mean, you really are so broken after you have a kid and just to, to maintain a level of decency, you know, cause it's not, and, and I don't buy it that it's just for you do it for yourself. No, that's not why women wear high heels. That's not why we wear uh, nylons and spanks. It's not for me. It's so that my husband who looks at me most of the time doesn't want to vomit into his own mouth. It's for other people's benefit. So what they they gaze upon the mess that I am, at least it looks halfway fucking decent. Don't buy this shit. Do it for you. No, do it for other people. Just do them the favor of gazing on you because you don't really see yourself that much, do you? Also, I wanted to bring up uh, this other point that I thought about this week too, that uh, not everything is your business. You know, I had this thing with somebody who... Uh, they're having their thing in their life. And I, I just, I was listening to their problem and I, I empathize a lot with people, like maybe too much. And I got home and I was so upset for this person and I was talking to my husband about it and then he got upset for this person and and it just carried on and on and on. And finally I went, don't I have enough shit that I'm fucking worried about that I got to worry about other people's stuff too? Like when did I become so important that I'm, I have to solve other people's, excuse me, problems in addition to mine? Cause really I think that is a supreme uh, narcissism on my part that like, I got to feel righteous indignation over someone else's stuff as well as my stuff. Oof. The point being, I feel like, uh, we just got to mind our own business. I got to mind my own business. Maybe it's just me. It's not a lot of other shit should concern you. Like, I think I've given a shit about other people's stuff way too much in the course of my life. Just keep your eyes on your own paper. Remember when your teacher used to say that? Just keep your eyes on your own fucking paper. All right, here's where we go. Let's, uh, let me see. I can't, there's this great email I want to read to you guys. Okay, this one, this one came in. Um, this is from Leslie. Okay. Um, hi CP. I've been listening to and enjoying your show since February. Thank you very much. By pure coincidence, this is also when I began going to therapy once a week. First timer. So it's been almost four months and I'm still feeling stuck and uncomfortable in life and in therapy. I've heard you mention a few times that to get what you need out of therapy, you have to go through some discomfort, but for how long? So kind of comfortable. Okay. I'm not someone who has a history of depression. This is a fairly new experience for me. I suspected that hormones and general midlife malaise were the culprit. So I decided to try therapy to see if it helped. In fact, it's, it's made things worse. I dread my sessions. I don't feel better when I leave. And I haven't experienced what I would consider progress. A few insights perhaps, but no big breakthroughs or changes in outlook or behavior, not to mention that this therapist is crazy expensive. If this were someone I was dating, I'd follow my gut and call it off because it's not working, but I can't figure out if I just don't like going through all of this discomfort and I should stick to it or if it's really not working and I should move on to someone else. I feel like $200 an hour, these sessions should be blowing my mind and progress should be evident by now. Help. Leslie. Okay. Leslie, so you've been in therapy since February, March, April, May. Oh, Jesus Christ. You've only been going for what, three months? Yeah. Okay. So just so you know, so let's go through this. Just so you know, the first few months of therapy should feel bad. 
Like you, like the first time you go in first few times, you should probably cry a lot. Like that's totally normal. Um, and it shouldn't feel like a trip to the mall going to your shrink, especially, um, the first few years. I remember feeling a lot of anxiety going into my therapist's office some days. Um, but here's the key. You got to discuss this with them because part of the dynamic between a therapist and the patient, from what I understand Am I a licensed therapist? No. I'm a comedian who's just been in therapy for a few years. Years. Uh, from what I understand, that there's a dynamic going on between you two. So it's also not only about you sharing stuff with your shrink, but it's also about the relationship between you two because there's a lot of unconscious stuff going on. Is it called transference? I believe transference. Uh, you might unconsciously be projecting stuff onto him or her and countertransference where they do the same right back at you. Now, uh, at $200 an hour, it sounds like you're going to a highly trained, I'm hoping, person who can handle counter-transference or whatever they're properly trained to do. Um, If you're feeling challenged, I'd say that's good. Now, here's where I've known red flags in the past, okay? Because really, finding a great shrink, I think it's all about the relationship the two of you have. If you feel like this person's safe, that you can tell them stuff, and that they're not going to shame you or you're, you don't feel um, overly guarded around them. You should feel like you trust their abilities. You should feel like you like their techniques. You should feel like um, that it's not totally like this is so silly. I remember one time I had a therapist who um, knew I was a performer and was like, let's do some uh, act amounts. Why don't you pretend that your mom's in the room and you guys can, you can act out how you feel with her. And for a performer, I mean, look, doing stand up. The, the reason I do it is because I I'm getting out of my feelings. <laughs> so to tell a performer to basically perform during therapy is very counterproductive. It immediately put me in like stage mode and I didn't like it. It didn't work for me. And you know, he had a bunch of other kooky shit. Like, put your hand on your heart. I want you to feel your heart beating. And I was like, Oh my God, I think I'm going to barf. So, uh, I didn't feel safe with that dude. I'm like, I didn't like him. I didn't like him. So I found a new dude, but a new female. Um, if you don't like, like for instance, if you're a person who likes crystal therapy and this person doesn't do that or what? No, sorry. Vice versa. If you're someone that, if a therapist mentions crystal therapy and burning hemp or whatever, and it makes your asshole pucker, that's not a good fit. So it really is more about a personality mesh. Um, I say go to somebody with a lot of training. I think experience and training is key. Um, and yeah, you should feel shitty. It's not like you, these big revelations come from what I, un, from my experience after you've kind of laid a lot of groundwork and it's, I don't know what your level of stuff is, how much you you're, you've gone through. So I think the beginning, it's really just about opening you up, getting to know this person, seeing if you're a good match and getting into some of the ooky stuff. And then the breakthroughs happen once you've kind of gotten through a few layers, it takes, takes a little bit of time. But, um, I would say bring this up to the shrink that you, you feel, what do you, what did you say? Let's see. Um, you, f- you feel stuck and uncomfortable 
Okay, I already mentioned therapy going through discomfort. How long? How long? Bring up the discomfort. Bring up the relationship dynamic to this person and see if it gets better with your shrink. Because first of all, or or bring up like I don't think we're a good fit. If they're a good shrink, they're going to be like, well, let's find. Um, I hope you find somebody that's a better fit. If they're a bad shrink, and they're like, fuck you. <laughs> then that's really more reason to leave. But I I doubt that. I've never heard of a shrink pushing back on somebody. <laughs> telling you to fuck off you're just like my dad no uh it's fucking fascinating therapy's fascinating i love it so much i do i love it so much okay 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 so this other person writes in hey gene my wife and i have a little camper and a couple of atvs that we take out on weekend trips We and our dogs sleep in an air-conditioned camper at night and ride miles of trails all day. It's my favorite thing in the world. That being said, when the anxiety of what if something breaks, what if we get lost, what if we run out of gas, then everyone will see that you are stupid and don't know what the hell you're doing creeps up, I panic. That's when I would start drinking. Sometimes just a few beers, sometimes much more, but either way, I would wake up in a panic and the next morning... And the cycle continued. I knew I had to do something more constructive than drink in order to calm down. I feel so foolish sitting there as a nervous wreck when I should just be enjoying the moment with my wife, who is an incredible person. I've realized that I am waiting for some irreparable situation to arise, which of course never does. And I try to find some justifiable reason why everything is going to be okay. Finally, I realize I don't have to do that. As you described with yourself, I recognize that this is unfounded anxiety and there is nothing to justify and nothing to reason through. I tell myself that I don't have to come up with the perfect reason that justifies why everything is okay in order to relax. I just have to relax, take a deep breath, relax for relaxation's sake, and repeat as necessary. I know this seems really simplistic, but for me, it works because anxiety creates such a confusing situation. Realizing I don't have to reason my way through it strips away a lot of the complication and I can simply relax. Being able to recognize that you are having certain thoughts and worries, which are totally due to anxiety, is so huge. I feel like the next step is being able to say, I don't have to justify a reason. This has kind of become my internal mantra. I don't have to justify a reason. Deep breath, relax. Of course, it's not a one and done thing. I repeat this to myself often, but it helps. I'm curious what your thoughts are on what a person should do and what you do after you come to the realization that this feeling is anxiety. Okay, Brock. Um, Yeah, dude. It's so funny because like, uh, sometimes there's anxiety for reasons, right? That, that's, that's the thing. There's generalized feeling of like, um, where we're running anxiety or, um, I realized that everything's fine and I'm trying to find something to be anxious about, right? There's that thing of like, everything's too good right now. When am I not? I haven't counted all the bases, right? I can't, I got to prepare for when the next foot, the next shoe's going to drop. It's going to drop any minute. I know it. Why is everything so good right now? There's that anxiety, um, and then there's anxiety over a legit thing. So I think it's really important to to differentiate between those two because sometimes we, I think we experience anxiety because there's something real happening and we're avoiding it or just not able to feel the feeling of what's going on, right? Like I, I remember for years um, when I had a show at night 
like a stand-up gig, I would be anxious all day. And for obvious reason, like I was nervous to do stand-up comedy. Oh, oh God. I just knocked my veneer out. Oh, is it there? <laughs> See, this is the tragedy of the metal straw. <laughs> it's keeping my teeth white and it almost knocked out my teeth too. Mm. Oh, that was terrifying. That's the second time in 24 hours I've always knocked my front teeth out. I don't know how many times a week I've asked my husband if my front teeth are still there. Oh, terrible. Um, so, yeah, okay, so find out what kind of anxiety it is, number one. If it's a real thing, if it's a real thing, what I've found helps, for instance, if it is like a show or a speech or whatever you have to give, just allow yourself to be in it. I found that the more I try to push anxiety down, the more I'm like, I'm not anxious. Everything's fine. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be anxious. You should, I keep feeling like my teeth are just broken. It's not still there. Um, The more I try to push something away, the worse it gets, right? That's how anxiety works. I'm not anxious. I'm fine. Everything's fine. You shouldn't be anxious. Stop being a punk. You can do this. Stop being such a fucking pussy. And then when you try to push it down, it just pops up even harder and it manifests in like a twitch, or something horrible, <laughs> or manifests in like diarrhea, or um, hating your spouse for no reason, or getting angry at things that aren't really warranted. You know what I mean? Um, but you ask uh, what you do. Okay, what your thoughts on what a person should do and what you do. You know what I found the best thing is what you should do over generalized anxiety. Like people that are always in a state of anxiousness. I think a lot of that comes from over thinking and overanalyzing the situation. Not all of it comes from that, but um, sometimes it comes from just being in your, in your own shit too much, just being in your own shit. And I, you know, I hate to be that person, but I do feel like having a kid is really in some regard heightened some anxiousness in some places and then diminished it in other areas of my life significantly. Like I just don't get fucked up about things I used to because I don't have energy, time or mental capacity anymore. Like I give less fucks about a lot more. Um, but that really what that boils up because of my kid and he's not magic. It's, it's the fact that I'm distracted a lot. Distraction's a fantastic tool and it sounds like you've got an anxiousness over other people kind of judging you and discovering your quote flaws. It sounds like, uh, what did you say? This is, this is a bit for me. You talk about, and I didn't realize that. Oh, oh, some irreparable situation. Oh gosh. Sorry. But basically, uh, that if something breaks down or something, whatever, uh, that it freaks you out, the judgment of others. So know that that's your your trigger or your, your thing or whatever the fuck. Yeah, drinking out of anxiousness is terrible. Oh, it doesn't feel very good. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you. You know, I stopped overeating and that I was realizing that I was eating a lot out of anxiety too. Especially on the road. I would just eat out of boredom and anxiety. And then when I just reined it in, when I just decided like I'm, I'm not going to reach for food I'm just going to see what this feels like, what this moment feels like being anxious. Um, that was a huge turning point. Like it just calms you the fuck down. Cause when you're in that state of like, I have to do something, I have to do something to get out of this feeling. I don't have a drink. I'll, I'll eat something. I'll, I'll get the hit. You know, when you're in that state, you're really out of control. You're really not calm. Um, 
So I think it's great that you can recognize that you're anxious, Brock. Um, but the key is to just fucking chill, right? Like, all right, I'm in control of this moment. I'm in control of the situation. I can control how I feel about it, right? Because control truly is an illusion. You have no control over everything. And that gives me anxiety too, right? Like I can't control any of this shit. Um, but what you can control is your your perception of it. Like how much, how deep down the rabbit hole am I going to go over what is happening right now? Because that really too, that's isn't that what anxiety is? Is the rehearsal, the dress rehearsal for the awful. That nine times out of 10 just doesn't come to fruition. And I think that's the the part about living in, in reality versus living in the past that I struggle with too is like, how much of this is, is warranted right now? Like I was talking about that overreaction thing to something like that's usually how you can tell that you're living in the past versus now or when your levels are just fucking nutty with anxiety. That's not now. That's not, it can't be about now, you know? And I know a lot of people have um, anxiousness surrounding things like driving or leaving the house. A lot of people have social anxieties like that. Um, but I feel like a lot of that too is what you're telling yourself about the situation, right? A lot of that is the inner dialogue and a lot of that is living in the past versus the reality of what's happening right now. Like what's the worst that's going to happen to me right now, right now, right now. It's usually not that fucking bad. Um, yeah. Pot's great too. I wish I could do that. I don't smoke, um, pot anymore. (laughs) but pot's great for that stuff. You know, I, I never was a huge drug person ever, but sometimes you got to do a little bit of, a little bit of mother's helper, right. To get through stuff. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with taking a little bit of something, something every now and then, you know what I'm saying? It's you know <sighs> so funny. I wonder if anybody is like, Nope, I'm never anxious. Well, that's the thing too. I think that in my mind, because I'm so convinced that, um, everything I do is so bizarre and I'm so great. Like I'm, I'm sure I'm not, but I don't know. People told me otherwise, but, uh, you know, I guess cause I, I didn't grow up knowing what was, I guess, normal, right? <laughs> I'm always trying to learn what, what's, what's, what, what's, what's normal. What, how am I supposed to be? Cause I don't really know. And I'm discovering it now with raising a human, um, what, what, what things should look like. Because things did not look like that for me. And uh, you start to realize that you have all these things, the emotional landscape, right? They're, they're always there. You always, there's anxiety and that passes. There's sadness and then that passes. There's joy and then that passes. And everything kind of passes through you if you let it. And that's the secret. Bam, to all this shit, to this whole fucking ride. And it took me 40 years to goddamn figure it out is that it's really about letting it all happen. There's a word that the hippies use, uh, surrender, 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 surrender. And uh, that's really a word I've come to become one with in the last 17 months of my life is just surrender, surrender. Uh, And by that I mean we have two remote controls to the televisions in our house uh, that disappear constantly because of a small person who insists on playing with them, hiding them, putting them in the fridge, throwing them down on the floor. And uh, today my mother-in-law was here and she was asking me for the remote. And I just go, you know what? I don't know where it is. And she's like, what? Aren't you going to look for it? And I said, nope. 
I've learned that that's kind of futile (laughs) because I'm in a state of surrender and I know, and I just know that that remote will kind of turn up on its own because everything else does in this house. Just as quickly as it disappears and you begin to panic over its disappearance, it magically reappears just as quickly. And that happens with credit cards. My son loves to go through my wallet, uh, credit cards, remote controls, spatulas, the great spatula disappearances in our home, the great Christina's makeup supply, gone, just gone. My makeup is gone because of this kid. But there's two ways. I mean, you can get upset about it all every minute of every fucking day, or you can kind of surrender to the chaos of it and just live in the chaos a little bit more. And it does make it easier because toddlers are just fucking chaos, dude. There's no, there's, there's no way. And I think had I had a child younger in life, I would not be equipped. I think I would have freaked out a lot more at watching him empty out trash cans and, you know, break everything. And (laughs) Uh, I really give a shit about a lot less, man. You know, that book I was telling you guys about um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. Like, I think that book was kind of a turning point for me when I, he articulates all the stuff that I've, I've kind of unconsciously been toying with. And he, he articulates it so wonderfully like, Oh yeah, I'm giving fucks about things that kind of don't need to be, uh, fucked over. And to your point, uh, Brock earlier too, you know, you're worried about being discovered as being this or that or the other. And really, dude, as I mentioned last week, nobody's even really looking at you. That's the crazy part is they're just looking at themselves and projecting their own shit onto you. It's really about them. That's the craziest part. So if someone were to shit on you for you doing this or that wrong, it's really not even about you. Oh, that's so crazy. (laughs) <laughs> it's never about it can be like i'm saying I mean, you deliberately hurt somebody and then it really is about you but you know nine times out of ten that person's got their own soundtrack their own anxieties to contend with they're fucking dealing with their own demons dude they ain't worried about you they ain't worried about you shit you know what i'm saying you gotta get your life you gotta get your life all right i love this next email too because like i totally get this uh this is from rory Uh, he writes my wife and i are not religious in any way however we made the decision to send our preschool slash kindergarten age kids to catholic school simply because in the area we live it is the most convenient and cost effective for their ages once they are in first grade they can go to public school which luckily in our area is excellent in the meantime there is attempted religious brainwash going on with my kids i figured right around the time we decide to debunk santa And the tooth fairy, we can debunk the religious crap being programmed into them as well. Does this make me a sellout? Thanks, Jean. Rory from Erie. P.S. Literally right next to math and spelling, my daughter got an A on her report card for recognizing the Virgin Mary as the mother of God. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Rory, um, no, you're not a sellout. I don't know. Uh, Here's the thing. As someone who grew up traditionally... Uh, Catholic and at home we did not pray to the Virgin Mary Uh, we were not practicing Catholics I think your kids pick up on it eventually like hey dude I learned this stuff at school but we don't go to church every Sunday we don't have to be 
And I know the Catholic church will disagree with me on this, but I feel like you can be, you can do things in gradations. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And your kids will eventually figure it out that you guys are not a hundred percent on board. You won't even have to tell them. I knew it from the minute I was in first grade when I came home and I was super stoked about learning about Jesus on the felt board. They had a little cutout Jesus on the felt board and you know, Jesus would go on his adventures and my mother's lack of enthusiasm. I knew, I knew that they weren't as down for the JC as I was, but, uh, so what? So what? Because I'll tell you something, Catholic school's kind of great. As somebody who was in Catholic school, I, maybe I got lucky. I went to some great ones. I really liked it. I really liked the discipline. And by discipline, I don't mean that they hit you. They didn't in my school. I'm sure a lot of people have horror stories, but I mean, um, the discipline that they teach you as a human being, which I think is a key to a lot of success in life. Can you be disciplined to sit down and read something and study and uh, and do the same thing every day? And the Catholics, pretty fucking good at teaching children the art of self-discipline. Um, do you have to buy into the whole mythology? No. But I think it's kind of useful for somebody to know about the religions, the Catholic Church is uh, right, an offshoot of Christianity, Christianity that everybody in the Western world more or less subscribes to some form of it. Um, can't hurt for that kid to know that stuff and then maybe later on decide whether or not they're into it. And like I said, they usually you usually follow your parents' level of, of religiosity. Um, yeah, they usually figure it out on their own. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, you, don't you know Jews who aren't like a thousand percent practicing Jew, Jewishness? Uh, I grew up around many children who were Jews by tradition, but not by total, total, hundred percent faith. And uh, I don't, I don't think it's particularly scarring. Now, if you were to tell me, "Hey, this school is terrifying my kid. She comes home crying because uh, she's looking at the the crucified Jesus every day in class and the blood and the," <laughs> uh, then I would say, "Yeah, find another school." But if she seems to dig it, it she got an A for knowing that Virgin Mary was the mother of God, she's kind of digging it. So it doesn't sound like a bad thing to me. It's cost-effective, convenient, solid education, and it sounds like it's working. I would say, I mean, keep her in. I don't know where you, I don't know where you go. Look, in LA, as far as I'm concerned, I grew up in the public system too, and I fucking hated it. So I don't know. I don't know where you live that the public schools are great, but that's good too. Do you know that there are parents who don't tell their kids about Santa or the Tooth Fairy at all, ever? That part fucking scares me. Like, I've heard stories of people who just don't, they consider it lying to their children so they don't do Santa or the Tooth Fairy, which is like, what? Those are like the only two things in my childhood my parents did follow through on. (laughs) The Easter Bunny. You know what I mean? Like, everything else kind of, not so much, but I feel like they got that stuff down. Like, they even knew that that was like just silly fun. Santa, just pure fun. Shit. There you go. So, yeah, I don't know. It depends on you too, Rory. What are your, what are your, um, what are your, uh, if you really are against the church too. Some people really fucking hate religion, then don't do that either. God, I don't know. I've, again, I'm very new into raising a person, so I don't take my word for it. All right, mommies, that's it. I got to go back to my in-laws. I am uh, going to take 
my mother-in-law to the mall. I mean, the country club. We're gonna we're gonna go shopping for girl stuff. It's fun. It's nice. It's nice. I will say that um, I'm very lucky. I do like my in-laws a lot, and I I really like hanging out with them. <laughs> it's cool. I, I embrace them as my own family. I think that's what you're supposed to do, right? I don't call her mom. I don't I don't feel that comfortable. Um, but maybe that's why we get along because there there isn't the pressure of her being my mom or my or top dog being my father-in-law, you know, I mean my father, sorry, there's no pressure. So you can kind of play with them a little more and be silly. At least I do. I don't know. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get a, I'm going to go get my mall on. Yeah. It's a good day for that. I hope this has been helpful. Please email me. That's deep podcast at gmail.com. If you want me to talk about anything, if you have any questions or whatever, again, I'm not a licensed therapist in any way, shape or form. I probably should not be even answering your questions, but I do <laughs> just cause it's my life experience. Okay. Have a great week, you guys. And, uh, until then stay deep bros. Oh, now what? I don't know. Philosophize with philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.